Please turn with me to James, the first chapter. And I have a verse for our graduates and for the rest of us that are continuing in this uh, life journey and realizing that there are various uh, milestones and uh, crossroads. There are forks in the road and opportunity. There are hills and there are valleys. There are challenges in this life journey that continue. And there's a special promise in James chapter 1, verse 12, which all of us can hold in faith, knowing that ultimately we will know God's blessing. Verse 12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. What a special promise. And it's a promise to all who love God. How many of you here this morning love God? That's the basic requirement. Remember Jesus said this is the greatest commandment to love God with your whole heart. There's no commandment more important than that. And there's a condition here that if you love God, then his promise is upon your life. And it's a promise that he will give you the ability to endure all of the challenges, the trials, the temptations, the tests of living in this world. And that he will give you an ultimate blessing beyond all of the blessings and benefits that you can receive in this life called the crown of life. Now, what exactly is the crown of life? Is it an actual crown made of gold with jewels? I don't know what the crown of life is. I know it's something that I want. How about you? I think it's just symbolic of his blessing. And we know that the greatest reward we can possibly have in this life or the next is our Father's approval. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into all that I have prepared for you. I remember Wayne Ehlert, who was in our congregation many years and went on to establish Hope Christian School, and he would often remind the seniors. He said, well, you're getting your diploma, but are you also receiving your AUG degree? And people, what's the approved unto God? So even though you receive a piece of paper that said you had the right grades, the right attendance, and the right behavior to get through, only you know if you receive the blessing of God, having earned his favor through a spirit of obedience, loving God, seeking to serve him and put him first. And I think all of us need to ask that question. Have we really received that approved unto God award? And how important is it at this season in our lives? <clears throat> how many of you know that this season in your life is as important as every season that has passed? Even more important because of the potential it represents for the future. I was complaining uh, to Ginger the other day about getting old. Have you done that? about how it feels to get old. And uh, she listened, and uh, 
I was grateful for her uh, <coughs> counsel, uh, which amounted to, uh, you silly old man. <laughs> and then uh, God spoke something to my heart that uh, I remembered that I used to say when I was much younger, <coughs> and that was, well, I wonder what I'm going to do when I grow up. And I realized that that was just as relevant at this season in my life as it was when I was 15 years old. Because I'm still growing, how about you? I'm not grown up yet, how about you? God wants me to grow more before I'm done, how about you? And so, what will we do when we grow up? This uh, first chapter of James speaks about that because it's a process of maturing to become complete. Where we realize that we're not yet complete. What is the place of completion? Well, the only measure we have, the only model is really Jesus Christ. To be complete in Him. To be transformed into His likeness. And so as we grow and as we mature, we need to become more and more and more and more like Jesus Christ. You know, I hope that I'm more like Jesus Christ this year than I was last year. I hope next year at this time I'll be more like Jesus Christ than I am right now. And we all need to help each other in this process what a great promise in Philippians 1.6. He that has begun a good work in you will finish it, will complete it. What a promise. I'm so grateful that my growing up doesn't just depend on my commitment to growing up, but on God's great love and tender care in my life to nurture and to discipline and to change me into the likeness of His Son. <clears throat> Aren't you glad? That God hasn't given up on you so far. And there's no indication that he's ever, ever, ever going to give up on any of his children that are seeking to fulfill his purpose. Well, <clears throat> I want you to see seven blessings in this first chapter of true success. Seven blessings of true success. Now, it's important for us in this age to define true success because we realize that the world we live in may have a totally different definition, totally different standard for what success really is. We see the world enamored by the success of material prosperity, the success of talent, the success of popularity. It was uh, E. Stanley Jones, the great uh, missionary <clears throat> to Asia, who said, the world is caught up in what he called the herd and the horde mentality. What's the herd mentality? Well, everybody else is doing it. It must be right. That's the idea of popularity. The pressure that's put upon us through this whole idea that to be part of a society and to be approved by others needs to be a primary goal. What is the horde mentality? Well, looking at how, you know, the horde, uh, the, 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 the herding idea 
all coming together. And then the hoarding, which is to do with how many things we can, accu- we can accumulate in this life to hoard, to pile up. And eventually you have to ask the question, well, how much of this stuff do I get to take with me? Well, the same amount as everybody else. None. Nothing. Somebody said, uh, you know, well, how much did he take with him? Well, the same amount that all of us, regardless of how wealthy he is, he gets to take the same amount that each of us take. And so if we don't find our guidance in what the herd does, the popularity of the current movement, or how much we can pile up and accumulate, what is it that we can use to measure our lives? Well, we realize that God has a purpose for us, and that is that we would be like His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the only measurement we have. The only measurement that God has given us. How much like Jesus Christ are we through the process of being transformed? Now, Would you notice the blessings of true success? True success, which has to do with fulfilling our potential before God based on eternal values. Eternal values. Someone uh, once said, well, should I make my plan or should I just trust the Lord? Well, the best approach to life is to make your plan and then prepare for a divine interruption. Isn't that the way it works? We don't make our plan and then ask God just to bless our plan that we can carry out our lives just the way we would like it. But we make the best plan that we can, but then we prepare for a divine interruption. And this is the best advice we could give to our graduates, isn't it? Well, make your plan, but know this, God is going to interrupt. And God always has a better plan. God always has something you didn't, expect and the farther down the road we get we look back and think now how did I get here well it was the hand of God it was the interruption it was the change that we did not expect over and over again and so our success is about God's measurement God's evaluation as we need to become more like his son well seven Blessings of success, and I've got to be careful here not to preach seven sermons because each one is so important. But the first one is in verse 2 and 3 of chapter 1. As James says, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of any kind because the knowing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. This is simply the joy of perseverance that comes to those who know who know, who know that God is leading them through. It was Corrie Ten Boom who's talked about her incredible experience in the prison camp where she said at first she was in shock and then she began to suffer and then she began to realize that this trial would go on and on. And one day while she was feeling the pain of that suffering, she was taken over by an unexplainable joy that God understood that he was with her and that he would see her through. This was the joy of perseverance that was hers even in a prison camp. And I think, you know, God wants to give you the joy 
which is your strength. The book of Nehemiah tells us as the children of Israel were working on the wall and became weary in their task. Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. We know that the joy which comes from God gives us the power to go on and go forward. We need to have our joy renewed as we persevere. Number two, the second blessing of true success comes from verse four. And here we read, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. This is the blessing of maturity and completeness that comes through a relationship with God. Praise God. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to grow strong. He wants us to grow wise. And he's committed to the task of finishing the work that he's begun in us. It's amazing how God leads us through change after change, circumstance after circumstance. And we realize that his greater purpose always has to do with growing us up to fulfill his purpose for our lives. It's through our suffering and our struggle that many times we learn the lessons that are so difficult for us to learn In good times, we realize that these are times that build our character, the sacrifice, the uncertainty, the confusion. Trusting in the Lord causes us to grow up. Number three, the third blessing of true success is taken from verse five. And what a promise this is. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask of God who gives generously without finding fault. It will be given to him. This is the blessing of godly wisdom. What is this wisdom? Which all of us so desperately need. But so easily escapes us in our preference for knowledge and intelligence. Well godly wisdom is simply being able to see life from God's perspective. And what a breakthrough that truly is. Isn't it wonderful that we're not just limited to see life from our personal perspective or the perspective of others, as wise as they may be, but God actually wants to impart the gift of wisdom from above that enables us to see things from His perspective as they really, really are. And as we see that wisdom manifest, you know, even a little child can have that wisdom to know the ways of God, to know right from wrong, to to know how to receive God's blessing and how to avoid unnecessary conflicts in the world. This wisdom which comes from God, which truly will guide us every day. Number four, the fourth blessing is found in verses six and seven. And please notice, as we read, But when he asks, he must, not, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. This man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded and unstable in all his ways. This is the blessing of faith and faithfulness. What is faith? Faith is taking God at his word. 
believing his promise, putting our confidence in who God is and what God has said. What is faithfulness? Faithfulness is the character quality that develops as we continue to obey God through circumstances. We need to grow beyond the place where we believe to the place that we are believable, that we are faithful. It's almost as if as we continue to put our faith in God, God eventually puts his faith in us, entrusting us with greater and greater responsibilities. And so we ask ourselves, well, how much can God really believe in us? Well, how faithful have we become in this process? How much more does God want us to grow in our faithfulness? We only do it by believing and putting our faith into practice as God enables us to be more and more faithful. Number five, verse eight. Here we read, this man is double-minded and unstable in all that he does. And then in verse nine, the brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position. This is the blessing of Christ-like humility. Christ-like humility. For it is that pride which becomes independent and self-serving. Which will keep us from really understanding God and his ways and submitting to him. One of the interesting things about this evangelist by the name of Reverend Camping who prophesied that Jesus would come back on a certain day and a certain hour was how certain and confident he was that this would actually happen as he said it would happen. There was no question. You think about how could a person come to the point in their character and their attitude where their own interpretation, their own opinion becomes absolutely the most important truth in their reality. Let me tell you what the cure for false prophecy is. Humility. Humility. As we submit to God, as we submit to one another, as we believe that Jesus is going to come back at the right time according to God's calendar, not any man's calendar. Any man who says he's figured it out is a man who needs to humble himself before the Lord. We realize that as we yield to God, as we trust in Him, the more we are able to humbly submit to His greater purpose. And graduates, I encourage you to Just realize that God has a purpose for your life and he wants you to depend upon him and not become confident in yourself. Be grateful for your knowledge and your abilities, but be dependent upon God ultimately for the fulfillment of his purpose in your life. Then in verse 13, we see another spiritual blessing that comes with the success that God has in mind for us. It says, But when a man is tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me, for God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt anyone. This is really the blessing, now hear this, of spiritual discernment. 
What is spiritual discernment? We need to not complicate it or mystify it. Basic discernment is simply this. Being able to know if something is of God or if it's of man or if it's of the devil. And guess what? If you know that, you know a lot. You basically need all that you know to get through this life. And it's a discerning heart that sees people and circumstances and opportunities and changes and is able to say, well, this is, this is of the Lord. This is not of the Lord. This is of the flesh. This is of the Spirit. To have a discerning heart. And the promise is, as we grow in Christ, as we grow in spiritual maturity, our discernment will increase. How many of you know that it's possible to grow in knowledge without growing in discernment? Big problem. Let me tell you, this is a big problem in theological education. That is, the emphasis upon growing in knowledge and yet falling behind in discernment. That only leads to spiritual confusion, even to heresy and apostasy. Because it doesn't matter how much we know, it's the attitude of the heart that is most important. I'll never forget, David Duplessis used to say, the number one requirement for good theology is a pure heart. And he was absolutely right. How little or how much we know. How little or how much we know is insignificant compared to the importance of the heart that is pure and clean before God. Number seven, the final blessing that I want to share with you is in verse 18. And here we read, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be kind of first fruits of all that He created. This is the blessing of the word of truth, which is one of the blessings of those who are successful in God's eyes. The word of truth, to have the truth and to know that it's the truth and to put our confidence in that truth. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for instruction and reproof and correction. The importance of the word of God. We realize that it's not that we should try to master the word of God, but that we should let God's word master us. As we approach it with humility and realize it's the word of truth that will hold us, that will correct us. Ultimately, by this word, we will be saved. And I am grateful that Faith Chapel presents a Bible to the graduates, a reminder that it is the word of truth that will hold us. And this year, Ginger called each of the graduates and said, we're going to buy you a Bible. What kind would you like to have? What type of a reference Bible, study Bible? And so we... We, we tried to get each graduate the kind that they wanted to have to study and to really use. Not just a Bible that they would put on the wall as a nice, mo- or on the shelf as a nice memento of the Faith Chapel graduation prayer. 
but it's a Bible that they will truly study and use. Well, it's incredible potential that we have in Christ, the blessings that come as we seek to serve Him. You know, I think of these graduates and what they're going to face and their challenges, and I think we should be praying for them, not just this morning, but continue to pray for them and know that God has a purpose for each of their lives which will be fulfilled. Let's take this word this morning, wherever we are in life, whatever our challenge might be, and realize that we're all still growing up. We're still preparing for that ultimate graduation where we want our Father to say, good done, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. And so what's the test in your life at this time? What's the challenge? What's before you? Know that there are great blessings for those who really understand the principles of true success and seek to be obedient and pleasing to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. And as these graduates stand before us, we are reminded that we're all part of your kingdom. And your purpose is the most important thing in our lives. Help us, O oh God, to consider our days. Consider the challenges before us. And help us to submit to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask a, a different kind of question this morning. <clears throat> as we respond to the word and think about decisions we need to make regarding obedience and faithfulness. And let me just ask this question. Is there anyone here this morning that you really need guidance in your life at this time? You really need guidance. Would you just raise your hand? I'd like for us to have a prayer together for guidance. And whoever would like to really be included in this prayer, just lift your hand. We see our graduates and the decisions that they're making, but we know that God wants all of us to ask for this guidance. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name, even as your word says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And Lord, your promise is that you'll give it to us abundantly. You won't hold back. And Lord, your wisdom will be established in our lives. And Lord, many of us are raising our hands this morning because we need guidance. We've got decisions to make regarding jobs, regarding finances, regarding relationships, regarding housing, Lord, so many different things, oh God. You know each situation. You want to bring your wisdom to bear. And so, Lord, we ask you, Lord, according to your promise, knowing that you will give the wisdom and the discernment that we need. Help us, oh God, to hear your still small voice. This is the way of the Lord. Walk in it. And so, Lord, we thank you for your promise. Help us, oh God, to be obedient. And, Lord, to have faith to obey you as you speak, to step out. We pray in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for this time together today. And we ask you to bless each and every one as we depart. And help us, O God, to put you first, even as we have sung and heard in your word today. And Lord, knowing that it's really about your ultimate purpose and your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen.